I have to admit, I didn't have a lot of time to prepare for this message. So what you get is what you get. But let's pray and let's ask the Lord. Heavenly Father, I just pray now that you fill me with your spirit. You fill all of us, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit walk down these aisles and just touch us. And give me the words that you want us all to hear and to act upon. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, did you ever notice that when people were questioning Jesus or being a little sarcastic to him, you know what he'd do? He'd turn it on him and ask him a question. When I do that to my husband, he says, what are you doing? I ask the question. So sometimes I'll answer it with a question. It gets a little confusing. But they're always trying to trick Jesus up. But he always came up with the right answer because he came up with the word of God. He came up with his words that are for us today. As I was reading through these, I decided to tie that love that he's talking about, loving God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. That is what we are created to do. And then love each other. It isn't only, it's like the cross. God and then man. You need to have this in order in order to have this in order. So that's what the Lord is speaking to us today about loving each other in kindness. And what is the greatest love that you think of that you can give someone? Probably yourself. I had a good experience yesterday when I was shopping. I don't shop too often. At least my husband doesn't think I do. But I, I was shopping, kind of window shopping, and I ran into two young gentlemen, and they were of uh, Jewish faith. And they actually communicated with me. I told them how much I love the Jews and Israel, and, and God loves all people, but we're not all his children. We're the only way we can become children of God, you know, we're all his creation, but the only way you and I or anyone else can become a child of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. So if there's something you get out of this message today, this is it. Jesus gave each of us as believers a command, and that was to go ye therefore and tell and make disciples. He didn't say, I want you to go make Lutherans, Catholic, Baptists, Assembly of God, etc., etc. He said, make disciples, teaching them so they can learn and they can share something profound. And it shouldn't be because I've been... I mean, I'm 80 years old. It finally dawned on me. How long did Jesus disciple someone? I was mentioning to a, a, an elder of a church that I'd met that I notice our churches are missing out on discipling people. You have a lot of new people coming into your church. You don't know how much Bible study they've had or, or do they even know the Lord or whatever. But when you have the honor of working with someone as God put them in your path, you need to be discipling them. And this man says to me, Jesus was the perfect example. He discipled his people for three years. Stop and think about it. He did. He began his ministry at 30, and at 33, he, he left. But he worked with his disciples, teaching them three years. That's what we should be doing, too. So when you have new people or you have friends, and they're just getting acquainted with the Lord, sit down with them and work with them. And I remember when I was being discipled, I was 35. And when I started reading the Bible and I really had an encounter with Jesus, 
And I used to sit with my Bible and, and the people that I was with, and I'd say, but that's not the way I, w- I was taught. And then they'd just lovingly look at me, and instead of criticizing or going all negative on me, they'd say, but honey, what does the word say? What does the word say? See, I could tell people anything. You could tell people anything. But the word is what speaks. The word is what we need to live by. I also was taught by a special friend, it's important to start memorizing. Now, not everybody can do that. I was young enough I could still do that. But I started memorizing. And the reason for that is, she said, you never know when the scriptures might be taken from you. Now, you think that it can't happen here, right? Mm, Think about it. There's many countries you can't even have a Bible. There's schools you can't, et cetera, et cetera. But so I started memorizing the scripture, and it came easy for me. And it was a real blessing because sometimes I'll be asked to say some words and won't know what I'm going to talk about. But all of a sudden, the scriptures will start coming out because God said he'd give you the words you need for the time you need them. So I've appreciated that, and I've memorized a lot. And, um, and you do get a little rusty after you get older if you don't keep it up. But uh, one thing, and I, I should tell this to the younger people, one thing that really helped me, I wrote a state board exam in Wisconsin, and it's a three-hour state board exam. It's both state and national. And I'd studied for it. And when I opened that book up to start answering, my mind went blank. It just went blank. I thought, I'm in trouble. And then I did the next best thing, or the, only, the best thing, I asked Jesus for help. I says, I need your help because all of a sudden my mind, my human mind, went blank. And I really think, you know, the Lord answered my prayer because I wrote a three-hour test in one hour and I passed the first time through. But it was the memorization of the scriptures that had taught my mind how to work in studying that book and then everything came to mind. So God came through for me again. We have to put the work into it. He gives us the tools. We need to put the work into it. One of the first things I memorized was Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. And in all thy ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct thy paths. Hang on to that one. Trust in him no matter what the situation looks like, feels like, or is happening. Keep your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He has the answer because he is the answer. You can go through a lot of things, and I don't think there's anyone in this room that's ever escaped any hard times or any hurts, but you have someone walking through them with you. Jesus would say, take my hand, or he'd grab my hand. You know, many times um, throughout my lifetime, and I know yours too, I've been down in the pits. I've been hurt so bad that I was just down in the pit. And sometimes Jesus let me down there because I had a lesson to learn. He could have reached down and pulled me out of that pit instantly. More often than not, Jesus jumped down into that pit with me. He went right in that hole of desperation. But you know what else I found? While you're in that pit of desperation, and maybe it's job loss, breakup of a relationship, could be anything, or just a broken leg, while you're in that hole, 
that is where you're going to grow. Because your eyes are focused on Jesus, you realize your need and that you're never alone no matter what's happening. He is the answer, but you need to keep trusting in him. And if you look at the sheep and the lambs, the valley is where they grow because that's all the lush grass. Now and then, you and I get to go, whoa, on a mountaintop. Everything's glorious and bright and sunny and beautiful up there. But you can't stay up there forever. You have to come down back to earth, down into the valley, down here. But this is where we grow. This is how we get more dependent on Jesus Christ. And I'm 80 years old, and I'm going to tell you, since I was 35 to 80, I've learned to keep my eyes focused on Jesus in no matter what circumstance I've been in. It is not a cop-out, folks. It's reality. Jesus has been with me through everything. He's filled me with the Spirit, and we need to stay filled with the Spirit. We need to not let it drip out like I'm tipping a teacup over or a teapot over. Keep being filled with his Spirit so you can walk daily. Things are pretty rough out there. But while we're in here, we can concentrate on and be nourished and fed by the word of God. The other important thing I want to pass along is if you are working with someone or they're showing an interest in things that are spiritual, or maybe you get the honor of praying with them and explaining to him about God's forgiveness of sin through true repentance and belief, get him a Bible. I know the church has access to Bibles. There's Bibles everywhere. Get them a Bible and then try to sit down with them, get them to Bible study, or sit down one-on-one with them. But work with that person. Invest your time. Greatest investment you're going to have. And when you share Jesus with someone and you've led them to the Lord, and you do, but it's only through the Holy Spirit calling them and working in you that you can lead them to him, How many more people is that life going to influence? Right? It isn't just you. It's you and this one. And then this one talks to two others. And it keeps spreading. The gospel message is the greatest message and greatest gift you can give. You can give gifts at Easter, Christmas, anniversaries, birthdays, any holiday. But the greatest gift you can give them is what God gave to us through Jesus Christ. Is to give Jesus to someone else. Share that love. And in any turmoil or tribulation that you go through, you have that peace of God that surpasses all understanding that the world cannot give you, but only he can. That's another verse I had learned. The peace of God surpasses all understanding. It's amazing. It's amazing love. How can it be? But that's amazing love. So when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, that's the most important commandment. That's the first. And then the second is, love each other. And not just the people that you are in this building with, not just your congregation. You have neighbors. You all have family, neighbors, friends, people you work with. They need Jesus, and the greatest love you can give them is to step out of your safety little safety corner, and open thy mouth and just give them little tidbits of Jesus, but let them see the love of God in you first. Amen.